Well, I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, I thought I left in plenty of time, but I got just ready to get off 65, and it just, the sky opened up over there. And uh, of course, I had to drive a lot slower, so it took me a little extra time to get here. But again, I'm thankful for the rain, and I'm thankful for uh, being able to arrive here safely, and I'm glad you're here safely, and I'm glad you came on. Uh, sometimes people say, well, I, I didn't come. It, you know, it came a big rain. Well, you know, we're going to have it inside, so come on, you know, if you can. But I know some people have trouble driving at night, and especially if it's raining. I'm getting closer to that category myself, and uh, I understand completely. But I'm very encouraged by your presence uh, here tonight. Uh, Lane Alexander, first time I ever met that guy, I think, was right here was right here. Um, I preached the, uh, back in 98 here, I think one time, and uh, then Lane eventually wound up at Jordan Park. And, you know, he's got a lot of talents, and one of them that's not bad is song leading. He, he can almost lead singing pretty good, and uh, he's, a, he's a great song leader, and I really enjoyed uh, when it was his turn at JP, and uh, it's good to see him. TJ, you were in the 10th grade Bible class that I taught. I got my gra old grade book out, and there you were. There was a lot of funny-looking marks in there, but you were in there. No, no, <laughs> good student, and uh, had said much about TJ. He, uh, good man, uh, in my daughter's Bible class, or in uh, grade, at Athens Bible School, met his dearly beloved. I think I uh, held some meetings down at Bethesda, met her there, may have met her maybe at a few singings or some Bible studies along the way, but great family, appreciate them very, very much. I know they love you guys and you love them, and that makes for a great working relationship, and um, I'm glad to be able to be here this week with all of you. You know, when we think about Christ, when we think about all that we have, we should be praising God. I know that right now uh, things aren't so good with our economy and our country, but even today, with high prices that they are, you know, some of the things not on the shelves. Uh, if you've ever been outside of this country, this is still a great country. Things are still greater than they are in so many other places. So we've been greatly blessed. And it's from God that all blessings flow. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So tonight, and I, I hope, that you've been paying a little bit of attention to our lessons as we've begun Sunday. Um, I'm trying to stitch it up and make some kind of useful, beneficial lesson for us. You may recall that we began the Lord's Day and the first lesson disappointing God. And we talked about that the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And that was a real downer lesson. 
because we, we talked about a lot of examples wherein people on the earth have disappointed God. And it is Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes it very clear that we've got to do better than folks of the past have done. And specifically, we've got to do a lot better than the Jews were doing in his days. We have a new, better covenant. We have a better high priest. We have complete forgiveness of sins. Sometimes it helps to put things into perspective. I'm totally frustrated that gas is as high as it is. I'm also thankful that we have gas. We can buy gas. We can put it in our vehicles and we can still go. Now we might not go as far and we might not do as much as we have been doing because of the cost, but we still can do some things. So you have to look on the bright side. When you look to the scriptures, I think it's very, very important that we don't want to displease God. And I want to encourage you with all of my heart, please don't disappoint God. You need to obey Jesus Christ now. Whoever you are, whatever your situation, you just need to make up your mind now. I'm going to stop disappointing God. I'm going to start pleasing God. We were reminded Sunday about it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, for our God is a consuming fire. I was studying the Bible with a fellow one time, and he had a lot of issues, especially some moral issues. And um, at some point in the study, he really kind of just, you know, cast aside the simple things that God had taught that he was not obeying. So I asked him a simple question. I said, "Um, you know, you may be right. The Bible is antiquated. You know, really things have changed. God has changed. What we read about in the Bible doesn't even apply today. You may be right. But come the day of judgment, when you stand before God, you better be right. Because if you're not right, and when you stand before God, you're going to be in a heap of trouble. That was basically the end of the study. We want to please God. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord is... A challenge for us all because we need to read this book. We need to study this book. We need to learn more. Uh, Time and time again, when I have Bible studies with folks on a personal basis, uh, I'll study things with them that I think is just so obvious and plain and simple that, you know, anybody knows that. But when I study with someone who wasn't, quote, raised in the church, someone that wasn't raised going to church, someone that was raised not even introduced to Christianity, you can tell them very simple things. They will say things like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to do that. So it's important for us to learn what God says. And we can please the Lord. 
The vast majority of people in the world don't please the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you, uh, as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God just as you actually do walk, that you may excel still more. And a beautiful thing of that verse that it is a choice. We do make choices and we must follow the instructions and we must pay attention to how we walk. And this pleases the Lord when we're trying our best. My son, when he was growing up, he was not really an athlete. And um, we wanted to get him out of the house because all he wanted to do was play Nintendo. So we made him join a baseball team. And I introduced him to a ball glove and a baseball. And we tried to play pitch and catch out in the back. And it was quite comical, really. I, I didn't really want to just laugh at my son, but he did not have any natural abilities whatsoever when it came to baseball. But he would learn, and it was pleasing to me when he tried. Uh, I, I'd throw him a pop fly, you know, and he, he'd, he'd, he'd try to look at it, look at it, look at it. And he'd, he'd hold his glove out. You know, you can tell he's really trying to zero in on the ball. You know, and he has his glove open there, and, and it would drop over there somewhere. Well, his eye-hand ball coordination there was, you know, neat tweaking a little bit. But you know what? He was trying. Let us wonder from God's perspective if we're not like that sometimes. You know, we're trying. Maybe we're just not accomplishing as much as we'd like to. But effort is important, brethren. And the Bible is such that it is a manual about how to improve and to get better. And the thing of it is, we all can do better. Don't miss that point. So if we can all do better, you need to please the Lord now. There comes a time when you think about it, you study about it, you pray about it, and you do some more thinking about it. There comes a time when you need to do what's right. I studied with a fellow. He, uh, an engineer. Um... Uh, he was a member of Menza. He uh, an Alabama chess champion, concert pianist, per perfect pitch. You get the idea? This dude was brilliant. So I sat down and studied the Word of God with him several lessons. And I could hardly get a smile out of him. I could hardly get a grunt out of him. And when I asked him a question, he would just, he, he, he sat there the whole time just frowning like this was so painful. And it may have been, he might have, you know, truly realized how dumb I am and he's so bright, you know. And we studied and studied and studied and studied. And I really, I, I told him everything I knew to tell him. And finally, I would just start to ask him, I said, what do you think about this? Do you have any questions? And he would just... Well, that just got on my last nerve, I'll tell you. 
I did the absolute best I could do. And this guy just sat in there like a stick in the mud. So I just said to him, I said, you know what? I know why you haven't become a Christian. He finally said something. Why? I said, because you're too smart. You're too smart. You're out, you're just overthinking this deal. This is not, he's an engineer, this is not rocket science. Okay? It's biblical truth. A child can understand it. You're struggling. I just think you're too smart. Well, that's the way that ended, and I thought that would be all of it. It wasn't too awful long that he was baptized into Christ. You know, it's important for us to understand that obeying the gospel, remaining faithful to the Lord, it, it takes some longer to grasp it than others. And there's lots of reasons for that. That's not the point of the lesson tonight. But we have discussed and we have talked about disappointing God and we've talked about pleasing God. And tonight, invitation first, don't disappoint God. You need to please God. If you're not a Christian, you need to become one. And if you're a child of God and you're not living the way you ought to live, stop disappointing God. Please Him by obeying Him, even tonight. All right. Now, last night we talked a little bit about do others know that you are a disciple? So here's my train of thought on this, this series of lessons. Is that if, you can, if we can get to the point to where we understand that there are things that disappoint God and there are things that are pleasing to God, we get that down. We, we understand that. And we're striving to do our best to accomplish the idea of not disappointing Him, but pleasing Him. Now what? Well, I think it's important that you start practicing what you believe. You start living. And living the life of a disciple is not something you do just in a secret the very essence of discipleship is something that is seen, something that is observed. The very fact that you let your light shine before others, hiding under a bushel, no. You let that light shine. So we discussed the idea that Jesus said, uh, I give you a new commandment, love one another just as I've loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, I didn't really mention this point last night, but there, I think there are Christians who, who really don't care to let other people know that they are Christians. They just soon kind of keep that to themselves. But that's not discipleship. That's not what Christ intended. We're to let others know. I'm not talking about standing up higher than others, be condescending in our attitude and our conversation with other people and look down our nose at people and look at us, we're safe, we're Christians, you're not. Nah, 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 nah. You know, that, that's not how we're to act. But certainly, 
We are to love one another just as Jesus loved us. And then he says, then folks will know that you're my disciple. So I think that's a key ingredient, a next step, if you will, make up your mind that you're going to please God. Then get out there and to the best of your ability, live it. And when you live it by loving as Jesus loved, folks will know that you're his disciple. They'll know that. Well, we talked about it being a visible love. It goes beyond these four walls. It's not just something we do here. It's more than just a few hours when we meet. It's everywhere. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Everywhere. Every time. All the time. Anywhere. Not just in here. Well, that brings us up to tonight. So, you've made up your mind you're going to please God. You've made up your mind you're going to love others as God has loved you. So what does that look like? We talked a little bit about that last night, about love, and specifically about how Jesus has loved us. I thought it would be important for us to think about that a little bit more, a little bit more in depth, and it really has to do with willing and ready to serve. I think there are a lot of Christians that think that being a member of a church means that they come, this is their job. This is what they this is what they're supposed to do, is to come to those doors and to sit in a pew. Now, everybody else, take care of me. Now let's stop there. There are people that need to be taken care of. There are people that need to be seen. There are people that need help. We're to grow to be above that. Ultimately, you grow to the point that you come through those doors and you come in here and you're on the watch for anybody here that needs help. And you're going to help them. You're going to serve them, whatever they need. Well, you must be willing to do that. My wife. When we got married, uh, we were going to Western Kentucky University. Um, I was major, majoring in chemistry and biology. Uh, she became a dental hygienist. And uh, preaching was not in uh, the picture. I had mentioned it a few times, and she was really negative about that. She grew up in a little congregation in Kentucky where they hired and fired the preacher every two years, whether it was good or bad. You know, two years, you're out here. You know? And she just did not want to be a wife of a preacher. Every two years, they're going to be moving. So I was a little discouraged about that. In my senior year of college, I got a call about coming and presenting a lesson at a local congregation just not too far from Polygram. So I went. My wife went with me. And... The song leader gets up. There was probably about 30, 40 people there. The song leader gets up and he says, well, let's welcome our new preacher. And I was sitting there and that was news to me. I was just there for that Sunday. I mean, after all, he had like two sermons anyway. 
But I could, I could, I could feel the laser beams from my wife's eyes as the side of my face began to melt. She thought I'd set her up. So after I preached a sermon, I called for a men's meeting. <laughs> I'm the visiting preacher. I called a men's meeting. We gathered around the Lord's supper table, all five or six, seven of them. And we gathered, and I said, "Whoa, whoa what, what is the deal here? I, I just come for today." Uh, I said, you all have a preacher. They said, yeah, he's old, he's sick, and he's not going to come back. <laughs> it says, you're here and you'll do. <laughs> said, well, thanks for the comments. <coughs> I'm here and I'll do. Um, I've been preaching every Sunday since. Now, when I got in the car, Did I mention to you about the first two years of our marriage? <laughs> Did I mention that? Well, let's just move on. First, there must be a willingness to serve. For if the willingness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Now, I, I didn't really know way back yonder whether or not I had what it took to be a preacher. Because I had always heard that every man created of God was to be one of two things, a preacher or a farmer. And I had already heard several preachers that really ought to go buy a tractor. Let's just be honest about that. And there were some preachers that had tractors, that, or, or farmers that had tractors that really need to start preaching. Well, when you think about whether or not you have the ability or the talent or uh, at least um, the wherewithal to be able to learn and to grow and to do better. This passage is very powerful. It's specifically in context. has to do with the collection of funds for the Lord's treasury to be used ultimately for needy saints. And he just mentions the idea contextually that, you know, maybe you can't give as much money as somebody else gives. Well, you give as you have ability. The real cool thing is, in the next chapter, we'll mention this sect, there was a group of Christians that gave more than they could give. They did more than they could do. But this passage emphasizes the willingness to be able to use what you've got. Isn't that the parable of the talents? That whatever God has given you, you need to use them. <coughs> well, then the idea is that you must be ready. If you're willing, then there's going to be an opportunity and you need to go with it. I'm just as convinced as I possibly can be, that it was very providential that that man called me and asked me to come preach. I think that ultimately I would have been very unhappy continuing my education in biology and chemistry. I worked a year as a pharmacist intern. I got accepted in a pharmacy school. Um, but is that not good? Is that the volume? Oh, I don't want to be a hurricane or something. 
Anybody else laying to look at yours? You're not in the flash flood creek bed here, are you? Yeah, we're at the top of the hill. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, so I'll, I'll carry on. How's that? Okay. So, if you notice in this passage, um, Paul says, I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. And this not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord as to us by the will of God. That, in essence, is what I've been trying to preach in this series. <coughs> Get to the point where you give yourself to the Lord. First, you've got to make up your mind who you're going to serve. You're going to keep disappointing God or you're going to please Him? Now, once you make up your mind you're going to please Him, then you need to be the kind of person that loves the way Jesus loved. And when you love the way Jesus loved, then you need to be ready to serve because that's what Jesus was all about. So this passage points out again about these brethren who gave... you remember the Sermon on the Mount? that Jesus talked about someone compelling you to go a mile? What did He say about that? As disciples, well, you're supposed to fuss, gripe, complain, and throw down whatever they gave you to carry and refuse to do it. That's what a Christian does. That really lets your light shine. Don't be say carry too long. That's pretty radical. Here's someone that wanted to participate and they couldn't afford it. They couldn't afford to give money to help other people. But you know what? They did it anyway. And you know why? They're like that poor widow who goes to the temple, takes her little purse, opens it up, and just dumps everything that she has to live on and just gives herself totally to the trust and commitment of God. There ain't many Christians anywhere like that. That I've seen. Have you? Those are powerful disciples. And can you tell the disciples? You can stand that. Because they're outstanding in everything they do. Not for glory for themselves. Not to be seen of men. When you're ready to serve, you give yourself to the Lord. And I think that one of the things that maybe some people have kind of caught on to, someone obeys the gospel, and not long after that, they're not really that faithful. And then one of the more famous statements that we hear from time to time is, well, I don't think they were really ever heard from again. I don't know that you could ever know that. You sure can tell when someone has obeyed the gospel and they don't live up to what they're supposed to be living up to. You can tell that. You can know them by their fruits. In this passage, we're talking about a group of people that really demonstrated how that they were dedicated to the Lord. They did more than they were really, really capable of doing. When you're ready to serve, you don't want to disappoint God. You, you really want to please Him. 
And you really want to love just like He loved. And so, you're willing to serve. I, 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 I doubt that you all have this problem. You all are probably the exception to any and all of the congregations in the brotherhood. When it comes time to have a teacher teach a Bible class, do you have to get up and beg and beg? Will somebody sign up? We need somebody to sign up. And that, and that goes blank for a long time because it's just like pulling hen's teeth, trying to get people to, to, to step up and to do things like that. When I'm gone, I'm gone a lot in gospel meetings. We've got three guys that we call our second preachers. And when I'm gone, they preach. Unless some of the men volunteer. When I first talked uh, to Anderson, Robin Anderson, uh, when I was going to meetings, no one from the congregation would ever preach. Rarely, maybe one or two at the most. So I'm gone quite a bit. So they're hiring guys from other congregations to come in. Now at that time we had probably 100 and 100 teens. So one day I, I just asked the numbers. I said, have you ever asked any of the men here to preach? So we started a little, little For one year, let's not hire one single person from any other church and every man of this congregation, if it's only just one time, every man of this congregation take a turn and you preach a sermon. I tell you what, some of those guys almost was ready to just remove their membership. Go someplace else. Because it was just, it was frightening to them. But you know what? To my understanding, almost every one of those men tried it one time. After that year, the elders said, look, we think we've got enough men that can keep trying. And we won't have to hire anybody else. When the seventh, just finished up almost seven years, we're nearly 200 now. We have these three guys that are, quote, second preachers. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in many years that they had to hire somebody else to come in and preach while I was going to be gone. I was going to another meeting this Sunday in Kentucky because the other three men are busy preaching and or out of town. But I'll tell you what's happening. The rest of the men have allowed these three guys to take care of. What does that tell you about human nature? If Lars always going to pick it up and take care of it, if Lars is the one to always straighten up the songbooks and nobody else will help her, you'll just let her do it. It's a general rule. I'm not, I don't know a thing in the world what goes on here. Nothing. Nobody's going to mean anything. I'm just saying, as a general rule, human nature is. If somebody else is doing it, who does love? Being a disciple of Christ is all about challenging yourself to get outside of your box and to do things that is challenging to you that would help the cause of Christ. You've got to be willing to do that. When you're ready to serve, Assembling with God's people is a given. 
It, I must say to you, I, I honestly will say that it's very discouraging to me when you have to preach to a group of Christians to attend services. But you do. But if you make up your mind not to disappoint God, and you make up your mind you're going to please God, and you want to love as Jesus loved, and you want to serve as Jesus served, I tell you what, you can stand back there in the foyer and point to that door there with a the double-barrel shotgun, and it wouldn't keep disciples of Christ from coming in. Why? Because they're committed. And they're going to sing. I, I've preached a lot of places, and you can stand up here, and just like the song leaders can see, there are people singing, there are people not singing. I have to preach sermons from time to time at Anderson, you know. You need to sing. Talk to Christians. Well, should a disciple understand that he ought to sing? Encourage the weak. How many times on the way home after a worship service or two, uh, you say to one another, you talk about and say, did you notice so-and-so, brother so-and-so, or sister so-and-so, they look like they were discouraged. They look like they're, they're dead. I wonder what's wrong. So we talk about them, but we don't talk to them. And try to really see if we can help them. We can encourage them. If you see someone that is weak or discouraged, why not take it upon yourself to live in to talk to them? Let me be a friend. Let me walk through some difficult times. And it's not that you're trying to get into their business. You're just concerned about them. Care for the needy, brother. First, um, when I was here Sunday morning, couple brothers here talked to me about some things that uh, you all have been doing. Uh, helping brethren in other places with food and so forth and so on. And that's commendable. There's, there's more and more churches doing that today than I ever recall in the 45 years I've been preaching. I think that's a great thing. People are taking the initiative to help others. And there are a lot of brethren in this world don't have what they need. Washing the feet. Washing the feet. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, do you recall whose feet he washed? Disciples, yeah, right. Which ones? He washed Judas Iscariot's feet. <coughs> he washed Peter's feet. Oh, remember that story? <coughs> As he's getting ready to wash the feet of Peter, what did, how did Peter respond? Not me, Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. Because Peter saw that he believed Jesus was the Lord. And he, Peter thought that was beneath the Lord to do such a menial task as washing feet. You remember the Lord responded to him? He said, look, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, you have no part of washing with me. Now, Lord Salih translation of this verse says, Peter says, the Lord just give me a bath. He changed his mind real quick about that. We should change our minds real quick about that too. 
It doesn't have to be, you know, the name in the headlights or, or in the lights, to, to something big or exciting. Uh, in doing something for the Lord, just that cup of cold water, simple things, sometimes are the most meaningful things. Helping others, teaching others, and praying for opportunities. Remember that in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus talked about the idea of ask, seek, knock. You ever notice that? A, S, K, ask, seek, knock. What was Jesus' point? Well, we need to be constantly in communication with God about being a servant. So if you want to teach someone, what, what would you pray? About, I'll pray to God, please open the door for me to talk to and pray to God about who that is. Do you ever pray that there's an opportunity for you to teach someone the gospel? I'm a firm believer in I'm a firm believer that God answers prayer. In fact, in the book of Colossians, you'll find in chapter 4 that Paul, even while in prison, he was asking the brethren to pray for something specifically. Chapter 4, verse 3, praying at the same time for us as well that God may open up to us a door for the Word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I've also been in prison. Here's Paul in prison, and he's asking the Colossians to pray for him that he'll have an opportunity to teach somebody the gospel. That's the kind of prayer we need to have. But be careful what you pray about. Because if you ask God to open up a door, He's going to open up a door. He opens, opens up a door, what are you going to do? You're going to walk through it. Be ready. Be ready to serve. When you think of a servant, servant who do you think of? Well, I'll go ahead and put the first one. Jesus. Jesus given His life in washing the feet. That pretty well, I believe, covers the idea of a servant. Barnabas. Remember in Acts 4, there was a need. He sold a piece of property. Laid the money at the apostles' feet to help people. That's certain. The Good Samaritan story is one of the great stories. Jesus talking about a man who is a Samaritan going out of his way, spending up his money to help someone that desperately needed it when a priest and a Levite passed by on the other side and did not come. I think that's a shot across our Bible. Because Jesus in the end said, go and do likewise. Who is a neighbor? 
So I think as a Christian, you have to take a serious evaluation of yourself. Am I pleasing God? Do I love the way Jesus loved? What about my service? Am I actually doing anything? You might just ask yourself this question. Are you really standing on the promises? Or are you just sitting on the promises? Have you just come to be a part of this sin? When you think of serving others, what do you think of doing? I hear Christians all the time come up to me and say, I, I just wish there was somebody I could teach. I just don't know who I could teach. Or I wish I could help somebody. I, I just don't know who I can help. You haven't been praying about it. Because if you pray about it, God will open doors for you. Pray about it. Quickly, let me suggest this. Think of five people that aren't Christians. Five people that aren't Christians. Write their name down on a piece of paper. Every day. Multi times a day. Pray for these people. What are you going to pray about? Well, they're not members of the body of Christ. What are you going to pray about? You're going to pray about the fact that God will open up an opportunity for you to talk to this person. Secondly, you're going to pray to God that God will open this person's heart and be receptive to the Word of God. Then you're going to pray, give me the courage when that door is open that I'll walk through that door and I will say the right things and I will do the right things. You notice that passage in Colossians 4 and verse 3 that I just read to you? That Paul wants them to pray for an opportunity, but then he goes on to say that I might say the right thing. Here is Paul, an apostle, asking for prayers to say the right thing. Most of us will not talk to someone about Jesus Christ because we're afraid to say the wrong thing. We'll pray about it. Paul did. We do get tongue about it sometimes. Sometimes there's, there's, there's things that are said that just... In fact, Tom, you and I were in a Bible study at Apostle one time, and we've been studying a good little while for this couple, and we thought they were both going to be baptized, and they had three or four kids, and th this dad, he was just... He was, he was a good dad. Uh, when we got there to study the Bible with them, uh, uh, this dad would say, all right, boys, come over here and sit down. And he would make them sit down and listen to the Bible, too. And there's little bitty folks. And he didn't want them moving on muscle. The whole time during the Bible class. And the Bible class was really, really, really good. Me and Pat were studying with them, studying with them, studying with them. We thought they, they would surely be baptized. And finally, the lady... She asked Pat, she said, I've got a question for, for you, you all today. And Pat said, what, 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 what do you want to ask? And she said, well, we've been thinking about getting married. Would you, would one of you all marry us? Well, we hadn't even thought about that. Hadn't even studied about any of that or talked about it. We just assumed that they were married. Pat and I were probably sitting there with our mouths open. <laughs> you know, people are very encouraged. You've got to be ambidextrous and amphibious. You've got to be able to handle the circumstances, the situation. You know how you get to be able to do that? Practice. You just got to get on this bicycle, grab it by the handlebars, and start pedaling. Or you will crash. You will go through. You will stand your knee. 
what you learn and you'll grow. God wants you to serve. Stop disappointing God. Please Him in all you do. Love like Jesus loved. Serve others like He did. And go and do like this. With 8 o'clock high, I'm done. I hope this will encourage you. I hope it will motivate you. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how much you know, <coughs> secular education, or even the Bible. There are some people that I've known that have been tremendous servants of God. And they were still trying to learn a lot about the Bible. They didn't let that in. They took what they knew and they ran. That's what you need to do. That's what I need to do. You can do that. Thank you for listening. There's a song of encouragement tonight for those that need to render obedience. You need to be baptized into Christ. All things are ready. You need the prayers of the brethren here. We'd be glad to pray with you and pray for you. We can help in any way. Won't you come?